Hello and welcome back to AI Ideas with Graham Colbertson, the show that tries to find a philosophy of AI that sits halfway between poetry and mathematics. This is another edition of Bits and Bytes, a short exploration of one idea related to AI, in this case, Wittgenstein's chess. Now, if you're following AI at all, you'll have read stories about GPT-3, which is this language model that can write human language. And every time you read something about GPT-3, they will quote someone who says, but it's just modeling language. It doesn't actually understand. Here's a quote from Wittgenstein. To understand a sentence means to understand a language. To understand a language means to have mastered a technique. Or to put it in a crude way that Wittgenstein never would, understanding something is no different from use of it, from technique. So if you use language really well, that is the same thing as understanding language. There is no perfect use of language without understanding. So let's turn this away from GPT-3 and turn it to you. You use language, but do you actually understand it? I assume you, you think you do, but let's question that as well. When you're writing and thinking, are you actually using language? And by you, I mean, you know, you. The one that's in charge, the little person sitting inside your mind who is driving this ship. Or is language being produced by a system that you, that central you, doesn't actually have control over? And surely language got in there, got deep down in there in whatever your language processing system is, because you took lots of language in, did some deep learning, and then spit stuff out. That didn't make much sense until people told you it wasn't making sense and you kept working on it until your language processing got better. So you're pretty much just GPT-3 and you don't truly understand how language works, not in the way that a linguist understands. You're just better at using language. Your technique is so much better than GPT-3. That's all that it really means to say that you truly understand something, that you've got the technique. There's nothing really, really, really true about it. Going back to GPT-3 and, you know, does it actually understand? Remember, if you want to see if you're in contact with another mind, you have to learn that from the outside by communication with it. This takes us back all the way to skepticism and the Chinese room of John Searle. Searle wanted to prove that if someone was inside a box that made language, but they didn't truly understand the language, they didn't actually understand. I'm suggesting that that's the world you live in. You're inside a box that understands language. How do you know you understand language? Well, you speak and other people understand you. How do you know that they understand language? Well, they speak and you understand them. That's all there is to understanding is speaking to one another in a way that is mutually comprehensible. Does the person you love most in the world understand you? How do you prove that? Not through some thought experiment, but by talking to them. There's this wonderful moment in the poem, The Love Song of J. Alfred Prufrock by T.S. Eliot, where Prufrock imagines that he has married or at least is living with the love of his life. And he's imagining lots of times having passed. By the way, she's imaginary too. The whole poem takes place in his head. It's, he's not imagining having married a real woman. First he's imagined a woman, and now he's imagining living with her, with his perfect woman. 
And after all this time has passed, this happens. Would it have been worthwhile if one, settling a pillow or throwing off a shawl, and turning toward the window should say, that is not it at all. That is not what I meant at all. So in Prufrock's fantasy, the woman he's been living his life with turns her head away from him and says, that is not it at all. That is not what I meant at all. That's how you know you have not been understood or you do not understand when someone says that to you. Through that connection, through that shared communication, if she had said instead, that's it. That's exactly what I mean. You understand it all. All. Then that would have made their relationship worthwhile. Here's Cavell again. Human speech and activity, sanity and community rest upon nothing more but nothing less than this. And this, again, to paraphrase Cavell, is this finding one another. Finding the shared routes of life through which we make sense of one another. Which brings us finally to Wittgenstein's chess. Wittgenstein talks about chess constantly throughout his book, Philosophical Investigations, which is broken into these little chunks. And here's chunk 200. It is, of course, imaginable that two people belonging to a tribe unacquainted with games should sit at a chessboard and go through the moves of a game of chess. And even with all the mental accompaniments. And if we were to see it, we'd say that they were playing chess. But now imagine a game of chess translated according to certain rules into a series of actions which we do not ordinarily associate with a game. Say into yells and stamping of feet. And now suppose those two people to yell and stamp instead of playing the forms of chess that we are used to, and this in such a way that what goes on is translatable by suitable rules into a game of chess. Would we still be inclined to say that they were playing a game? And with what right would one say so? Leaving aside the bigger question of games, which runs throughout philosophical investigations, I'd like to pose a slightly different question, which I think is a version of what Wittgenstein is asking us. Are all three of these games chess? And I think in some philosophical reductive sense or some sort of computer science sense, they are. They are all reducible to the same set of rules. They are all chess. They all match up. It checks out. But I don't think that's right. Because you see, the first group of people, those two playing chess when they don't know what games are and they don't know the rules of chess, they cannot explain themselves. Two masters, one from their tradition and one from our chess tradition, would not be able to make themselves intelligible with one another. If they sat down to talk, one of them would end up saying, that is not it at all. That is not what I meant at all. And if you don't understand that you are playing chess and that the other person is also playing chess and it comes through these shared routes, it's not the same game. Now let's take the other two. And this is where I want to make my big point. The chess that is played on a board, precisely as we understand it, and chess played with stamping and shouting. They have the exact same rules. In logical terms, you could say it's the exact same program being run two different ways. But first, of course, they don't have the same rules. The rules have to be translated to humans, to the human experience of being in the world. One of them will say, move the knight this way. And the other one says, make this form of a shout and stamp. Those are not the same rules. They have to be translated. More importantly to me, Think about the ordinary world of experience that is so crucial to understanding what thinking is. Who would think these are the same game? Philosophers who are trained in the game of reducing everything to a set of rules or logic would say they are the same game. 
But imagine these games in the real world. Would an ordinary person who knew neither of those games, or knew only one of them, walk into the room, recognize them as the same game? Would the same kind of people be drawn to both of these games? Would they wear the same clothes and hang out and become friends the way people who play the same game do? I think the answer to all of these questions is no. Which means for me that traditional chess and this Wittgensteinian yelling chess aren't the same. Which means the really hard project, the goal, should not be to teach a computer how to play chess. We need to figure out how to teach computers what there is to enjoy about chess, and also what there is to hate about chess, and why they might want to become the kind of person who plays chess or not. If you really want AI, make a computer that knows how to play chess, but chooses not to because they don't want to seem pretentious. This has been another edition of Bits and Bytes from AI Ideas. Please believe in other minds.